Welcome in, welcome in. Farzine Vasugin here with you for another episode of Farzcast. I appreciate you guys downloading and listening to another episode of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe in all of this craziness that is 2020. Uh, still, uh, still grinding things out uh, in the year uh, 2020. Uh, of course, still dealing with this pandemic. Everyone's handling it differently, but. Neither here nor there, uh, but like I said, hope you guys are staying safe, doing well, and again, uh, as always, appreciate those who are downloading, uh, listening to the episode, clicking subscribe, clicking the share links, always greatly appreciate it. Uh, very interesting episode uh, on Farscast, so I'll admit, I'm definitely going out of my comfort zone for this one. Uh, d- definitely going to be a lot different than uh, a lot of my other podcasts that I have done. I've never, now that I think of it, I think... There's only one time, uh, you know, never done this for the podcast, but when I used to write for the Kansas City Star, I did write one article on education once, uh, but that's what this episode is going to be about, is uh, education. Uh, Melody McAllister, a former teacher and author, she is going to be joining me in just a couple of minutes. She's not a teacher anymore, but still is heavily involved with education in a big manner. Uh, and of course, this is a very crazy time. A lot of kids are not in school right now, and they're doing all this, you know, e-learning, Zoom learning, Zoom university, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to talk to Melody about that. Uh, and also her book. She came out with a new book uh, this year. Uh, very interesting. Uh, she's actually had, she has a, an interesting backstory behind the book, and this is actually a book she's had for a long time, but just recently published it, and I'll let her kind of explain the story uh, when she comes on in a few minutes. Uh, you know, I've always just wondered you know, how much education has changed. I, I, I think a lot of you guys know I'm 29 years old, but when I was in elementary, you know, the, the way, you know, kids read, and I think some of the additional activities behind reading, maybe a little bit different. Now, and I'll kind of touch on that with Melody in, in a few minutes, but I'm curious to know, you know, as a, a former teacher and an author, you know, what she thinks about education today, if kids are reading as much as they should, because I know a lot of people, you know, some people just kind of, it seems like a lot of people just kind of lose the whole reading hobby as time goes on. And maybe I'm wrong about that, but we'll talk to Melody about that and much more. Uh, she'll be joining us in a few minutes. Uh, I'm uh, still recovering from that Kansas City Chiefs loss on Sunday. Uh, for those who are Chiefs fans, which I think a lot of you are, uh, yeah, that was a rough loss on Sunday. And I'm not really one of those that blames the refs. I think, you know, we just got our asses kicked. <laughs> that was the reality of that game. Uh, so definitely tough to see the Chiefs uh, drop on there. But look, I mean, it kind of feels like, and, and I want to get this out of the way quickly, it just feels like a lot of people thought that the Chiefs were never going to lose ever again (laughs) it's like i think that truly like that was the stigma some people just had instilled in them that the chiefs were never going to lose the game they won the super bowl and therefore you know they're going 16 and 0 every year uh no no uh you know the chiefs are going to lose a few games here and there hopefully not too many uh, and look, they're going to rebound from this. Yeah, they look terrible on Sunday, but so what? Uh, I mean, the Patriots looked horrible. I mean horrible against us a few years ago on Monday Night Football. And we won, what was it, 41-14? And they won the Super Bowl that year. They, right after that game, everyone was talking about how Belichick and Brady had to move on. They won the Super Bowl. So, 
just breathe, relax a little bit. We'll be just fine. And uh, I think the Chiefs are going to rebound uh, against the Bills. Even if they don't, hey, they're definitely in a better spot than a lot of teams out there. So I'm not too worried about the Chiefs right now. Uh, other than that, I mean, what is there really going on in the world? Oh, the Lakers. They just won the NBA Finals, which I'll admit, I, I mean, I'm super excited about. I'm, I'm a big Lakers fan, and I was ecstatic when LeBron James joined the team. Let me just say this about LeBron James. I don't know what it is, and I don't know if some of it's political because LeBron has openly said, you know, where he leans politically. But there are a lot of people that just love to hate on him simply because of his stance. Um, I mean, the whole debate between him and Jordan, it's it's been ongoing for a long time now. But to me, it's like, look, man, he just won his fourth championship. And this guy's played in more minutes, has scored more points has played in more finals games than Jordan has. Um, and I heard this uh, talked about by, uh, oh gosh, um, his name escapes my mind right now on ESPN Radio. He comes on at 9 o'clock-ish Central Time. Uh, I'm going to remember his name after I stop recording this. But he mentioned, you know, LeBron, he's nowhere close to being done, which is the crazy part. He is going to, at this trajectory, especially with the Lakers and, you know, the supporting cast he has, uh, he's going to get another ring and maybe even a couple more. Eventually, we'll pass Kobe and Jordan. And, you know, at that point, I think really he is going to be the best to have ever played. I know a lot of people will always say Jordan no matter what. But listen, man, uh, LeBron's done so many great things that Jordan was never able to do. And I think that's something that needs to be taken into consideration. Yes, Jordan's never lost a game in the final or never lost a final series, but LeBron's been in a lot of, I mean, look, look at the Cleveland teams LeBron took to the finals. Like name me somebody that's even got some of the credentials that LeBron has. Kevin Love, J.R. Smith. I mean, look at, the, look at the teams he took. And I know in Miami, he had a much better supporting cast, but look, I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, the guy has Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And, you know, don't get me wrong, he's made them even better since taking over as the quarterback in Kansas City. But before that, yeah, he, he, he they were pro bowlers before Patrick Mahomes even got there. Doesn't mean you take credit away from him. Patrick Mahomes is still doing so many great things out there that a lot of quarterbacks have not done. Uh, 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, and... The craziness, the the way he just throws the football, no other quarterback has ever done before. So, uh, look, uh, I don't know why, but so many people are quick to compare rather than just give the guy credit. I mean, he deserved it. So, I'm excited for LeBron James, and more importantly, I'm excited to see what he can do moving forward. Uh, because this guy, I mean, I think he's in the best spot he's ever been in his career playing career and he's been around for gosh a long I want to say it's since 2002 2003 uh and he's still going man uh this guy's got a lot left in, in the tank and I hope you know there is going to be a summer olympics because I'd love to see him get another gold medal I'd love to see him uh win more NBA championships because I think he's able to do that with the Lakers so should be very interesting to see all right uh like I said gonna be mostly talking about education so the sports talk for this podcast is over but Actually, we'll talk to Melody, Melody a little bit. She is a Chiefs fan, and I think it's going to be interesting 
she's in Alaska, and she's got to get up a bit early for those uh, noon Chiefs games. So we'll talk to her about that. Uh, and a lot of educational talk. Also, her book coming up next, Melody McAllister here on Farscast. Back here on Farscast right now, joining me on this episode, as I promised, uh, Melody McAllister. She is an author, a uh, former teacher, and uh, does a lot of things I- involving uh, education, uh, especially uh, you know elementary education, to be specific. And she's uh, very generous to give us some time. Uh, I was a guest on her video podcast once before, and now she's a guest on mine. Melody, how are you? I am great. And I loved being on your show. Like I remember like just a little over a year ago, I was trying to be your top fan on Facebook. So this is so cool. Oh God. <laughs> you know, what's funny is um, I just, uh, I, I, I didn't even like, it didn't even like occur to me. Just all of a sudden I noticed, I'm like, wait a minute. I don't see top fans on my Facebook anywhere. Like I don't, I don't, I don't see anyone that comments as a top fan. And I guess, I don't know, Facebook removed it or something. I don't know. Uh, people used to be obsessed to be a top fan of mine. I'm like, I don't even have yeah, fans. So that's that kind of weird. so but... fun. We kind of competed with each other. I remember. Yeah, I don't know why anyone <laughs> would want to compete for that. But uh, that's a topic for another time. Because um, you're so cool. Well, uh, uh, that's your opinion. I appreciate that, though. Um, <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, no, I do appreciate it. You know, it's funny. Uh, I think how we met, uh, I think you won one of my giveaways. And it's actually right behind you. Yeah, It that, is. And Mahomes. I had to guard it with my life. Yes. Oh, because your kids, they love it. Yes, they want to eat it. And I'm just like, and I told them what you said, like, it's it's gone past expiration at this point. Like, don't eat it. And I said that after we won the Super Bowl, we could eat it because I wasn't thinking. I was just like, I had saved it so many times. And then we won the Super Bowl. And I was like, no, this thing is never going to die. Like, it's going to be with me forever. And you cannot touch it. And don't even try touching it. So. Here it is. So we'll talk about your book uh, and everything you've done with education in a moment. But I do like we might spend, I don't know, an hour on this because I've always wanted to know. Uh, you live in Alaska, correct? <laughs> yes, I do. What, yes. What uh, what's like the closest? Are you in Anchorage or Juneau? Yeah, I'm right outside of Anchorage. Yes. OK, we're, so, we're still part of the municipality of Anchorage. So if there was like a 12 o'clock Chiefs game. It's 9 a.m., 12 o'clock central time, yes. to be clear. It's 9 o'clock right. where you are. Yes, wow. and that's why I missed, that's why if I don't plan ahead, and I, I have five kids and I'm teaching, I do teach my kids at home because of COVID, and um, anyway, and I do other jobs on the side, so it's like, if I don't plan ahead and I'm not, like, intentional about making the Chiefs games, I will always miss them because of the freaking time zone. Yes. I remember last year, well, I've been in Vegas for Chiefs games before, whether it's the preseason, preseason games are always night games. Uh, but I remember uh, in years past, I'd watch a Chiefs game at one twenty-five, you know, Vegas time. <laughs> Last year, though, in week 17, we went out to this um, Chiefs bar called Blue Diamond Saloon, uh, which is really cool. Uh, you know, if you're a Chiefs mm-hmm. fan, you should go. It's a very small bar, so I do suggest getting early if you ever uh, make the trip to go. But, you know, I mean, look, it's Vegas. You're, you're, you're up yeah. late I- at night uh, right. or in the mornings, I suppose. And then it's like, you know, you're waking up and there's a Chiefs game in one hour at 10 a.m. So that was a really I've never the only time I've watched a Chiefs game early in the morning was in 2015 when they went to London. 
for a game. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that. And they played, yes, I think, I 8.30. So that must have yeah. been, what, like 5.30 for you? Did you wake up that early to watch well, them? Well, no, actually, so I've only been in Alaska since That was the same March. day the Royals won the World Series, by the way. That's how I remember Okay. That. Okay, well, honestly, the day they wore, or the day they won the World Series, I was like, I felt like I was drunk all day long because I am a true, like, I have been on television. I've been on CBS and my Roy- in Texas because I lived in Texas at that time. And my Royals, all my Royals uh, memorabilia was on the wall. And people are like, why do you have so much, you know, Kansas City stuff when you're in Texas? And I'm just like, well, it's because of my team. But anyway, no, I do remember that day. And, um, but I was obviously just in heaven when they run won the world series. So were my class, my, my kids, they were just, we were so euphoric. We had just followed the world series. And of course the year before we just, you know, we didn't make it. And I was in the fetal position that night. So um, of course I remember when we won, but I do remember when we went to London, but like I said, I was in Texas and I was in central time. At oh, that time. okay. So never mind. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when, when people in Alaska watch, you know, Monday night football, is it, are you guys offended by that? Cause technically that's like Monday afternoon football for you guys. You know what? Um, I don't have a lot of friends here that are like as into um, football as me. And like, even when we went to the bar to watch the chiefs um, super bowl last year, uh, there were chiefs fans and I wasn't the only person wearing my chiefs, you know, shirt or anything, but it just isn't, it, it's like, it's very diverse. A lot of people like the Seahawks because of the Washington, like that's the closest team. So there are, there's a lot of Seahawks um, fans, but other than that, like, I don't know as many people that are that excited about football. I know that sounds crazy, but it's just, it's not like Kansas city. It's not like in Dallas where we used to live. It's just, um, it's just different here, I guess. And maybe it is the time zone. I don't know, but I guess the biggest um, team that I see celebrated are the Seahawks. So. So this is a weird question because uh, I'm a KU guy, but is mm-hmm. Mario Chalmers a big deal in Anchorage? I don't think so. Like, I never hear anything about him. <laughs> I don't okay. even know oh. who he is. I'm terrible. I love KU, but I don't know who he is. No, he he Sorry. played for KU. He's the guy who hit that uh, game-winning shot, or not game-tying shot to force overtime in the championship, like in 2007. <sighs> Okay. Have you seen that epic like photo on sports? I'm sure you've seen the picture. I probably have seen it. And this is why I told you, do I need to research anything so I don't sound like an idiot when we well, talk? No. That is what I wanted that's to not, know. That's not a big deal. No, that's not a big deal. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, You're taking my, my KU card away from me at this point. No, it's fine. Trust me. I, I don't even think, <laughs> I mean, if anyone, if any KU fan is going to criticize you, ask them how many football games they've watched this year. I guarantee you the answer is none. <laughs> So don't even worry about that. Well, my dad, my dad and my little sister, they're true um, KU fans. So they probably will be upset. Well, my dad, he passed, but my little sister, they'll be upset with me that I don't know these people. So, man, I, I was, I was planning on, I've not been to Lawrence in a long time. I, I was going to go. I don't think my brother's 23. I don't think he's been to Lawrence since he's turned 21. So I was one to like take him this summer to go, you know, show him a couple of the popular bars in our, but because of the virus and everything, it's like such a weird time. So I was really bummed out. There's the burger stand there. I love that place. Um, went there in Topeka also. Uh, but yeah, hopefully uh, this goes away soon. Cause my pa- look, I'm a patient guy, but this whole thing of not going to bars and restaurants, like I'm, I'm willing to wait. I'm, I'm one of those guys, you know, I, I understand some people are willing to go. That's fine. Uh, I'm waiting this whole thing out, but uh that's yeah. a topic for another time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I just think like, what is there to do like on a Friday night or Saturday night in Alaska? 
Okay. Well, okay. So I'm a lot older than you. I'm thinking the last time I went to Lawrence, Kansas was probably like over 20 years ago. So uh, my husband and I, we have five kids and we have five kids because we date night is important to us. Okay. Um, So we usually pre COVID, you know, the same things that everybody else does movies, you know, bowling, restaurants they don't have a red lobster here which is so sad but you know i mean we i've have never friends. been to one so that's okay <laughs> <laughs> okay okay um but so i love the olive garden and i know this sounds so ridiculous i'm in alaska but when we're feeling really homesick because i spent half of my life in texas i spent the first half in missouri the second half in texas so when we're feeling really homesick we go to the texas roadhouse <laughs> okay <laughs> where where in texas did you live by the way I lived right out. I lived in Dallas County. So I okay. usually just say Dallas, but a, a, a city and it's a rather large city. It's called Garland, Texas. Okay. So how'd you end up in, in Alaska? What, what, what um, made you move there? Right. So a couple of years ago, my husband had this major health stuff. And um, so when he finally recovered from everything, it took a few months. Um, he was looking for a job and all of the jobs in his, he's a radio frequency engineer. So all of the positions that he wanted to take and were applying for were out of state. So we knew that we were going to move because he, I was teaching in Garland at that point and he, he makes way more money than I do. So um, we knew that we were going to be leaving. We just didn't nowhere. So the two positions that he really wanted, he could choose one in Denver or Anchorage. We chose Anchorage so that we could kind of experience like something incredible that we never probably would be able to share with our kids um, otherwise. And we knew it was probably going to be temporary. And of course, the jury's still out. We don't know if we want to stay here for, you know, how we're committed for three years. We don't know how long we'll stay, but and so it, it's it's true. Anchor or Alaska is like ten years behind. Like when you turn the TV on, the menu. If you remember what the menu looked like fifteen years ago in the early two thousands, that's what it looks like here. I I used to ride my bike all over uh, my neighborhood. I never told my mom where I was. That's how it is here. Kids play with each other. The neighbors are friendly. It is so weird. And of course, in the summertime where you have 20 hours of daylight, the kids like will knock on our door at 10 o'clock at night to see if the kids can play because it's still, you know, super sunny. And yeah, um, forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's just, it's really like in that way, it's, it's pretty amazing that my kids are getting to experience um, everything that I did as a kid. In fact, only one of our five kids could ride a bike when we first moved here. And now all but our two-year-old can ride bikes, like, because they're so active and they just, you know, they're running around all the time. That's really cool. Uh, I've only... We do have to worry about bears though. I will say like bears and moose, especially in the spring and, and right now, like that is what scares me the most. Oh, I would be terrified. No, <laughs> I don't doubt that. I am. Like, um, I'm like, do you know what to do with a moose when you see a moose? Serious. Uh, I've, only no- I've only met one person from Alaska, and he was a college classmate of mine. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool talking to a Chiefs fan in Alaska. That, that, that's yeah. Awesome. Um, We're everywhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, repping the Chiefs, I'm sure. And uh, in good old Alaska. So uh, I do want to talk about your uh, your book. Uh, it's yes. called I'm Sorry, correct? It's called The I'm Sorry Story. Okay. Tell us about that. When did you publish this? So I literally published it like three weeks before the pandemic. Um, 
I well, I, I Edgy Match Publishing published it. Um, it officially came out on February 11th. So right before everything shut down, I had flown back to I, I I did a writing retreat in Nashville, and then I flew back into Dallas so I could do a um, a book signing with my community that we had lived in for so many years, and um and so I knew like COVID was on our hills like it was on the news. And I was just like, I was like praying that I would be able to get back home because flying to Alaska is no small feat. I mean, just trying to get connecting flights because of the time of year it was, um, can really super suck. And everywhere I went, it was like in Washington, Oregon, it was just, it was the COVID was breaking out. So I just prayed that I could get home at that point in early March. And then I did quarantine myself. It it wasn't quarantine time yet. Like it wasn't official, but I went ahead and stayed home. Um, obviously I didn't have it. But after that, so like, I didn't get to do a lot of the things that I wanted to when it first came out, but it came out this past February. So it's not quite a year old. And, um, I wrote it when I was a fifth grade teacher. I have, you know, my oldest is like 11. So I wrote it when I was pregnant with her and I've just, you know, revised it over the years. I read it to every single one of my fifth grade classes, my fourth grade classes, and, um, even my last, my first grade class, I read it to them. And, um, every time that I read it, they, loved it. The kids loved it. They're like, Mrs. McAllister, how did you know? And so I always had a really good response from kids. And then a couple of years ago, um, I was able to contribute to this book, The Fire Within by my friend, Mandy Freilich and uh, EduMatch published it. And so that was kind of my end. I said, I have a story um, I'd like to submit and I submitted it and they took it. And now I work for EduMatch also. So I'm just kind of like, like, I exude EduMatch Publishing. It's for educators by educators. So we're really, it's a really cool publishing company. We're like two or three years old. So how can people find your book? Um, they can go to bit.ly slash I'm sorry story. Okay. And it's on, yeah. And that'll take you to the Amazon. You can find it on barnesandnoble.com, Amazon. You can go to edumatchpublishing.com. And um, the Barnes and Noble and Anchorage is open. So I got contacts uh, this week to be able to get my book locally, but I'd also like to see it local in the DFW area since I wrote it when I was living there. So I'm hoping, and my illustrator, my friend, Rihanna, she lives in that area. So I want to see it in different places. Who knows? Maybe I can get it in St. Joe, Missouri, you know? Yeah. that'd be. I mean, if you reach out to maybe the bookstores there and talk about, Hey, you know, uh, local art or not local, but I suppose, you know, you're from there. You know, I know a lot of times, that's always uh, in appealing ways, but I mean, I've never written a book, so I, I have no idea about that. I do want to talk about um, education now, especially with the pandemic, yeah. how that's happening. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but uh, you know, I think it's interesting because I, and like I said, I mean, I'm 29 years old, so I haven't been in elementary. So young. And uh, <laughs> I haven't been in elementary uh, in a long time, <laughs> but I think it's so interesting because I, I, I know there's a lot of talk about, you know, as kids get older, they don't read as often anymore. Mm. Um, I mean, you, yeah, you're, you're more in touch with the younger kids than I am. Uh, you know, is reading a lost art? Are there kids reading oh. more now? What's going on? Not at all. It is definitely not a lost art. Um, I will say that my own children prefer at least two of my kids. They prefer the graphic novels and that's okay. Like uh, the librarians that I know, the educators that I, um, you know, I consider uh, myself like learning from all the time. We think that what, what if you're reading a magazine and that's what gets you reading, read, you know, there are people that just read internet articles or, um, I mean, it doesn't matter what you prefer to read, you're reading, you know, if you're reading all the time. I mean, I'm a sucker for a romance 
romance novels. Like I'll go to the grocery store and get a, a, a $2.25 Harlequin romance and call it a day. Like that's, you know, my, I, I, and I read from middle school through high school. I read those books like crazy. That tells you a little bit about me. And, but I did well on the ACT because, because I could read fast and I knew a lot of vocabulary and I connected. I was able to always connect. Like I grew up in the church too. So I have that biblical background. So I was always able to connect like, you know, the Greek mythology and then the biblical stuff. And then what was current, like I've always been able to make those connections. And I think that if you're reading, you're going to be able to do that. Uh, if you're reading a lot, because even though um, literature changes, like there's still so many of those idioms or the, um, I don't even know the right word. I should have been drinking coffee right now, but like mentioning, like how many times do we see like mentions to Greek literature, you know, Greek mythology all the time, you know, we don't even realize that it's a part of uh, our everyday norm. The things that we say, it, it stems back from, you know, Greeks, you know, or ancient Greek time and yeah. it all fits together, even in graphic novels. So that's why it's like, if your kids are reading or if you're reading, whatever age you are, uh, you're keeping your mind active and you're continuing to learn, which also is just good for your brain and staving off, you know, uh, dementia and all sorts of things like that. As it's someone lost. So, so you mentioned to me, uh, you taught first grade, fourth grade and fifth grade. Uh, but as an author, uh, and I know you weren't a published author at the time, but, and but just to be clear, you're not teaching in the classroom anymore, like in person. I, I'm not, I was, I was planning on returning back to the classroom this spring. Um, however, with having five kids and a husband with heart, um, issues, like it just was not safe or for our family to, you know, be immersed oh, in, especially the in this school pandemic. System. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's understandable. Which is sure. sad because I love public school and I am teaching at home. So right now I'm teaching kindergarten, second, fourth than six to my kids. And then I have a two-year-old. Well, the reason I bring that up is because, uh, you know, I mean, you're doing your job as a teacher, you're, you're teaching in your classrooms, but I would imagine in some way you had to have been involved with like your school's li library in, in some way. And I'm, and the reason I bring that up is because I remember being in elementary school and going to our school library, you know, it just seemed like the shelves were completely full, but you know, over the years, so many books have been written. I've always wondered how that process works. You know, how, how do, how does a school librarian de decide, you know, what, what books to bring in, what to get rid of? Cause you got to make room for all these books that have been written over the years. Yeah. And I mean, I have a, I have a whole bunch of librarians. If you ever really want to get like deep into that, that I can connect you with just so you know, but I will give a shout out to the librarian that I worked with at my former school, um, uh, Katie Duke. And so she's an amazing librarian. And I think that what she does is she just is always learning and the librarians that she partners with. And then um, my friend Nat, I want to give a shout out to her too. She works in my district and I, she used to be a teacher with me also. So they just always stay up what is current. And right now, um, especially with like uh, kind of getting away from the, the only the white, white, all like um, kind of characters. Like they're starting to embrace more diverse characters, more diverse families. And, and as our society changes, you know, my friend Katie, cause I worked with her. Um, she, I remember she would just, she would take books, like moving boxes of books off of the shelves, give us to us teachers. If we wanted them, she'd say, come and get them. And um, those were like the books that I grew up with, you probably did too, we're about 10 years apart. So you might've read them too. And some of them are in my library back here. So she was always taking out the uh, books that were not being read. Of course she can tell on her computer system, you know, um, when was the last time they were checked out? And if they hadn't been checked out in a year or two, then why keep it on the shelf when there's oh, all these okay. incredible books coming in that are great. And there's so many amazing authors uh, right now that are putting children's books out that are like 
literally representative of the kids that we're teaching. And so that is a major issue that is being embraced by a lot of schools finally to see kids of color, you know, um, kids with um, disabilities, you know, different. And, and even in my book, like I've made it a dyslexia font for um, kids with dyslexia because I hoped that it would encourage them to feel included also. So, and it's um, dyslexic month, dyslexic awareness month. So I just, um, I'll put that little plug out there. So, <laughs> but I mean, I think that's where people that care, librarians that care, teachers that care, educators, anybody, parents that care, they're always looking for what's out, what's new, what is being inclusive? And there are so many amazing books out right now. You know, I remember every kid in school just like freaked out like it was Christmas Day. Um, they would always bring like the book this, fairs. Yes. Well, yes! Not, well, not the book fair, but also something else um, where you had like it was like, you know, a little catalog. And at the back of it, you you would write down like what was that? There was like your a specific wish list. Name. What was the, the name of that? No. Scholastic? The yes, Scholastic? The Scholastic. Everyone. Yeah. And I remember, you know, you had to turn it into your teacher by a certain date. Oh, and-, and you're talking about the Scholastic News or the Weekly Reader. If you're in the Midwest, it was probably a Weekly Reader, but then Scholastic took over as okay. probably, maybe you had Scholastic. But it yeah, was, yeah, Scholastic part. is what it was. We had it like mm-hmm. maybe three or four times a year, but I remember like that was our version of like ordering something on Amazon Prime and then it comes <laughs> to us like in oh, school. Yeah. Your yes, there's no. yeah. When you put the book orders in, yes, there's just yes. so much of that. I apologize, but yes, you're right. The Scholastic they put out like a Scholastic news for kids, but they also put out book orders. And like our school would do it every week, like every month, once a month. You know, I have a funny story about that because in the Scholastic book order, uh, there was a Stephen King book, and I remember my mom was going through the, and I was like in sixth or seventh grade. <laughs> I remember, um. My mom goes, oh, Stephen King's a good author. And at the time, you know, I, I wasn't reading much and I was trying to get into reading more. And I was like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll get this. You know, if he's a good author, a famous author, you know, it's, it's logical to, to order a book like that. So the book comes in and I remember my uh, reading teacher, uh, he would pull uh, aside every student like for five minutes, you know, the student had to read out loud um, just to, you know, kind of engage with the students and kind of right, get an understanding right. what they're reading for. And so I had my Stephen King book. And, you know, he's got some language in his books. And I'm, while oh, I'm yeah. reading a little it, language, a little gore. my teacher took the book from me and goes, why are you reading this? You should not be reading this. I go, it was in the Scholastic book order. And she did not believe me. And it's like, I almost got sent to the principal's office over this. It's like, no, I'm not, you know, reading something mature or intentional. Like this is, this legitimately was in this book order. And my mom was actually pretty upset that, you know, they got mad at me for that. I so would be to, upset too. We had to actually prove that this was from the book order. Like the own damn, damn school just <laughs> got this out there. So um, that was kind of I, a, a I weird. hate that. I know. And I hate that kind of schooling. And it's, you know, and, uh, you know, that teacher, I don't mean anything against the teacher or anything, but we are so oppressive sometimes. And, you know, for a while um, before we came to Alaska, I mean, the big thing was, you know, reading graphic novels is not really reading. Yes. Yes. Like my kids, my, my oldest loves mangas. Um, you know, I used to know, always ma- read like the Pokemon. Uh, yes. And, you know, yeah. I remember she that. loves mangas and she can freaking read the opposite of how I can read. She, she likes real, you know, from, you know, Japan, Jap- I'm sorry, Japanese. She loves the mangas, the real ones. And um, I think that takes talent to be able to do that and smarts that I don't wish to possess to read a book back. 
backwards or, you know, like I would think it was backwards. Um, but I mean, anytime you can get a kid to read, just let them freaking read. I remember when I had to read my um, romance novels, I sold them for my older sister and I would freaking lock my door because I knew that if my mom knew that I was reading those romance books, <laughs> listen, they gave me an education. Nothing else could. Oh, there you I, go. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what else I always just kind of learned? Because like I said, I was not a, really a big reader and my reading comprehension, you know, wasn't where it should have been at the time. And then I can't remember if it was my counselor or one of my reading teachers who told me this, but they suggested, you know, read books that are interesting to you. So for example, like if, cause a lot of, a lot of popular movies are also, you know, there's like a book yeah. version of those. So it's like, you know, read that, uh, you know, star Wars. I mean, they, how many books do they have, uh, you know, read, right. read a star Wars book or something. Um, I know the popular video game, Halo. I mean, there are a lot of Halo books out there. Uh, I'll take so your word for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, read something appealing to you. So, you know, if, if yes. so many kids love video games, uh, odds are, you know, some of these video games out there. In fact, um, I have it behind me, uh, this really popular video game called The Last of Us. I don't know if you're into like the whole zombie apocalyptic thing. No, I'm not. Okay. Well, The Last of Us is a really popular zombie apocalyptic game. They just came out with the second one uh, this past summer, which was great uh i suggest it for anyone that's that's got a playstation 4 but you know there's also a graphic novel for that uh again on the topic of zombies uh the walking dead is known for having <laughs> so many of those graphic novels and I, I i mean i'm hooked on those so it's like always read things that are so appealing to you right I, you did mention the book fair one thing that like my friends and i always and we had to go like early in the morning before school started because we knew they ran out we always got, I, I have some of them with me, um, <laughs> or maybe I don't, um, the Guinness Book of World Records. Those yes! Like big, yes. Yes. I have some of those behind me too. Every I for sure kid. Do. I had, yes. I had them for, from 2005 to 2007, eight, whenever God, I was. You like, are so young. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but uh, th uh, those were, I mean, some of the popular books, uh, yeah, just kind of just kind of crazy reminiscing on those. And I love that because, you know, those are nonfiction. And if you think about it, like letting kids just enjoy what they're reading, like you reading Guinness World Records. I mean, you're reading a whole bunch of nonfiction and we want our kids to be able to read across the different genres. And, and um, also, do you speak more than one language? Uh, I mean, I know a little bit of Farsi. That's it. Like, okay. I hardly know. Well, I was going to say, because a lot of times there's students that are um, speaking, you know, they're bilingual or whatever. They may know more languages. Oftentimes, at first, their comprehension is not necessarily the greatest. It's not the strongest. But then later, the more they consume reading, reading, um, they, they it, it starts to come together. You know, you just have to give it some time. I think, but, I mean, we want our kids to read and you hit the nail on the head. Let them read what they enjoy. Now, well, if it's really horrible, awful gore stuff, maybe obviously check it. Well, another thing too, it's like, you know, we were talking about read books that are interesting to you, like a Star Wars book or, or, or a romance or, you know, Halo. Book. Yeah. Romance book. Uh, <laughs> but you know, so many kids love sports too. So it's like, you know, yes! read like, okay. Like if you're in Kansas city right now, I imagine every kid has, you know, is trying to get their hands on, you know, all these new Super Bowl books. I know Matt Derrick has one. Adam Teicher has one of ESPN. Uh, the, uh, in fact, Matt Derrick, who's been on my podcast a couple of times, Dang. he wrote um, Patrick, the first Patrick Mahomes uh, biography a couple of years ago. I need to get that. Yes. Uh, it's called Showtime. It's really good. It's actually, I mean, when I first got the book, I was kind of surprised. I thought it would have been like, you know, 
your typical like smaller size book, but it's actually, you know, a little bit bigger. It's got pictures in it and all, but it's still a great read. Uh, and it's, it's actually, you know, something kids can read as well at like the elementary yes. level. So that stuff's, you know, things that are interesting to kids, you know, as you said, right. you know, uh, kids love sports. There's so many autobiographies of Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, you know, LeBron mm-hmm. James, Michael Jordan, whoever, you know, right. those are always books that, uh, those the kids should definitely read uh, about because you know it'll get them hooked and maybe it takes them to the next book or the next level for their reading yeah. comprehension. I mean, I loved I I am an avid reader, always have been, but I loved historical fiction, especially historical fiction romance, but that took a little bit longer to develop. But anyway, that got me into biography. So I was always reading about all of my favorite music groups, my the favorite bands and stuff, or it or like Elvis, like I or the Beatles, just like Okay, I'm not that old, but I mean, I still liked them. So I read about them when I was younger, but I'm not like, that was not during my lifetime when they were huge. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, you're exactly right. Like if you if you just can, if you can cross over. So you're reading the Guinness Book of World Records. You know that you want to know more about something. Then you start pursuing like some, maybe a, a swimming record is very interesting to you. Or maybe like animals, you know, you just, you find these things out and that's what makes them want to explore that. You know, you have to give them opportunities. And what I hate about the school system, unfortunately, is that we're so locked in to this teaching the same way. Like you and I probably were not taught very differently, even though I'm 10 years older than you, probably you, you know, sitting at our desk, um, listening to the teacher, the teacher was the expert on everything. And not to say that there weren't great educators in our time, there are, they were wonderful, but there's just so many different ways that we can educate kids. And another thing to get away from is holding all the power, letting them discover, letting them explore. It's kind of scary because even as a teacher, like I get evaluated on my classroom management. So sometimes I had some pretty loud classes because they were talking, they were interested, they were having fun. And that doesn't always, you know, look good on me as a teacher. It looks like I don't have a control over my class, but that's not it. Like classes don't have to be quiet to be great classes. They can be, you know, fun. And uh, that's what the educators that I know and the, and who we love that that's we what gamification is huge right now. Just like what you're saying, all of those games, being turned into graphic novels. I mean, that's pretty damn amazing. I yeah. didn't even know about that. I think it's just, you know, uh, video games, you know, and look, I'm a gamer. Uh, and I'll admit when I was a kid, I played, you know, maybe more than I should have, but it's like, you know, I think uh, these video game creators, they always say, Hey, look, you know, let's make, you know, a graphic novel or a book version of this game. That way, you know, kids can find that other uh, path to, you know, turning this game into some sort of education in some way. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. But it's probably yeah. marketing more than anything, just trying oh, to make well, a sure, better sure, buck. Yeah. And, and parents too. But I mean, I just want to say, you said that you probably played more, but look at you, you have a voice, you have a platform, you're doing well in life. I mean, is there, you know, we Maybe. are so worried about our kids playing games too much, but really sometimes it's, it's, it's kind of where our life is going. You know, it's kind of where it's, I, I hear two sides of the story is, you know, that it's good because this is where our future is going to, but at the same time, you don't want to be like so sucked into it that you have no life skills. I, I, I once had someone on Twitter come after me oh, yes. and, and, go, and go, I can beat you in Madden. I was like, dude, <laughs> I will give you the trophy now. If, if, if you want to yes. like, you know, <laughs> raise that badge of honor of beating me in Madden, you know, great. I, I, I'll, I'll take other badge of honors. Um, no, one funny comment I wanted to... <laughs> I don't know why. I just remember this now. Uh, you know, look, I I think reading is important. Everyone needs to, it needs to be reading. We can all agree on that. But I remember I was on a plane once and this guy next to me 
pulls out this huge book. It's like a Dungeons and Dragons book. I don't know what it was. Oh my. And he, when you open the book, it's even bigger. It's bigger than like the tray in front of him. It's like going into my area now. And I just kind of turn to him and I make the look like, dude, really? Like put the book away (laughs) or at least, you know, have it. So it's not in my way. Like it was the biggest size book I've ever seen, but uh, I don't know why. I just remember that now. As and we're, D&D uh, fans having... are like serious. Like you're going to take that big of a book on your plane. Like what yeah, is good on that you. all about? That I'm sure. Yeah, those really people are serious. <laughs> that must be really <laughs> uncomfortable to carry. But hey, you know, dedication. What can you right? say? Um, I do want to <laughs> ask you because, you know, like I said, you know, interesting times, of course, uh, not ideal, obviously, but a um, lot of a lot of places. Um and, and I mean, I'm not in, I'm not in school anymore, but I know some places are doing online learning. And then I guess yeah. at times, depending on the days of the week, they'll do a half day in school and then the other half at home. So I don't really and like I said, I don't have kids or anything. I'm not in school, so I don't really know exactly what's happening there. But bottom line is, I mean, this is not your normal school year or I guess, you know, it's two not semesters now since March. Um, what do you make of all of this? You know, um, I am in a huge educator community. So even though I'm not in the public schools right now, I'm still like, I I work with educators all the time. I collaborate with educators all the time and I'm still teaching my own kids. And so I'm always learning. And what I'm seeing is that the downside of, you know, the remote learning besides, you know, parents being inconvenienced because of work and and, and childcare issues like that. I'm not even going to go into that at this point, but what I see what they're doing wrong right now, what is really hurting teachers, what is hurting kids on the online side is that they're trying to replicate what they do in a classroom online. And you can't do that. Like, so my own kids take um, virtual courses and they have a ball, you know, they're the teachers know how to teach virtually. It's not like they're just learning how to do it. And I'm not saying that to criticize any of the teachers right now, but there are educators out there who have been teaching online for years and they know how to work their, their um, students, you know, they know how to engage them and they don't stay on for hours. They are very like half an hour to 45 minute sessions and they're very active. They're very gamification um, type lessons. And so then you go and you have all these lessons um, and, and teachers, you know, like I said, I, I collaborate with thousands of teachers on a daily basis in the communities that I help. Um, that's part of my job. And some teachers are having a really hard time, like not being able to understand why they can't tell a kid who's in their own house um, that they need to get outside of their bedroom. Like they can't be zooming in their bedroom or they have to, um, you know, they can't eat or they still have to ask to go to the bathroom. Now there's a lot of teachers who are like beyond that and they don't even care about all of that, but there's still educators out there who are having a hard time that they don't have all the control because as an educator, we're supposed to have the control. That's what we get evaluated on a lot. And so it's been, I've seen that. And then I've seen where like you were talking about where kids actually go in for a couple of days of the week and then they come out um, and they're very distanced. You know, they're all the safety um, precautions are put in place. You know, what I can only say to that is that those teachers are very tired. Um, some teachers are continuing to teach to students that are in front of them in their classroom. And also at the same time, students that are 
um, tuning in virtually. Like let's say that the district has offered families that they can go in a couple of times a week or they can fully be face-to-face or they can fully be remote. And so teachers are now teaching students in front of them and um, students virtually at the same time. And um, I could not do that. Like I would not sign up for that because that's just not good pedagogy. That's not good. Like it's exhausting and you have two different audiences, you know? Um, And so there's, yeah, teachers are really exhausted right now. They're working their butts off and people that are making decisions. There's some, some of them are very out of touch of what's going on or they're trying to please, you know, the parent population. And I love my parents. I have good relationships with the, with my, the parents that I've had their students, you know, um, I am a very parent, um, like I invite them into my classroom. So I don't mean anything against parents right now, but uh, you know, some of the force face-to-face is to please parents so they can go back to work. So it's like, it's just a very gray area. And then you have teachers who are also parents, you know, who it's just, it's just kind well, of a, a, you a, sh- a shipwreck right now. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the people making the decisions and all it's like, you know, I, I was uh, following the Kansas, uh, board uh when they were voting you know whether or not kids Mm -hmm. should go back to school or not and they're doing it on zoom it's like you're voting whether or not kids should go back to school in person exactly and you're doing this on zoom and look i get it you know the left wants you know digital learning for safety the right says no kids need to be in school and but you know they'll still come up with reasons for their decision but it's like you know aren't you kind of supporting the idea already of and i get a lot of them are much older they really are but you also said you know they're out of touch and they may not have an understanding exactly of how things work how do you bridge that gap to get them to kind of understand because i know a lot of people say they'll call you know their senator's office or mayor whatever but it just doesn't seem to work a lot of a lot of the times well you're right. And so, you know, leaders, you know, school leaders, school boards, you know, superintendents, they have a lot to think about. Like they're also thinking about the mental health of their students and being isolated. And then you think about like kids who get fed regularly at schools. So you've got a lot of issues that not being in school all the time um, weigh on these leaders. So I get that. And I don't want to criticize anybody because I'm not in their positions. Um, I, I do. So I was, you know, zooming with a teacher in Fairbanks, um, on Friday, because we're doing, hopefully doing a presentation pretty soon together. And I was asking her, what is her district doing? And I, it was the best thing. They have been fully remote since March and their district has already said when they get to the lower level, like whatever color it was, I couldn't remember if it was purple or some sort of level that wasn't high, like it wasn't in the red, that's when they would return. And it was, I guess there were no active cases in 10 days. That's when they would return face to face you know? And so here in Anchorage, they have been, you know, remote since March, but they're planning on going back as far as I know, unless they've changed in the last couple of days. And I don't know, they're planning on going back face to face next week, but guess what? Our cases are higher than they've ever been. It doesn't make any sense. And so there's a lot of pissed off teachers, you know, they're finding a way to make this work and um, they don't want to put their own kids in jeopardy. They've got health issues already. And um, they want leaders who are watching out for them. We hear all of the time, do what's best for kids, do what's best for kids. And as a teacher, that's always what we think about. We oftentimes sacrifice anything that's going on in our lives just to do what's best for kids. But somebody's got to say, we got to do what's best for teachers too. Like it has to be, um, it has to be about 
teachers and students and about your community. Um, there is an educator, um, her name is Laura Gilchrist, and she actually is a Kansas City fan. She's in Kansas City too. And she, um, she does parent camp and you can find them on parentcamp.org. And what they do is they meet with educators and families in a community. And they're really big in Kansas City and St. Joe. And they, they deal with those unique problems of the community as a community. So they look at those problems together to design a plan that is good for them. And I mean, I really think that at this point, that's all we can really do. That is the best way to deal with anything. You can't just say, well, everybody has to go to face-to-face because parents need to go back to work. That's a real issue. You know, yeah. and using school as kind of childcare, it's a real issue because it's been that way for a hundred years at this point, you know? Um, so you have to look at all of these things, but you can't just say, well, who cares about teachers? They just need to do what's best for kids. Well, no, because teachers are parents too. Teachers yeah. have, you know, they have critical health conditions that would make them vulnerable to COVID and they have, or they are taking care of family members. It's just, there's no cut and dry answer, but I do like how Fairbanks is answering it. And they're saying, and, and I think my friend that I, my friend, she's a leader in um, a school district in DC. She's also my boss for Edumatch. She's the founder of Edumatch. Her district is handling it very well too. They just keep making, um, when it gets safer, they just, they keep looking at the situation when it gets safer, when it gets safer, that's when we'll return. You know, there's like, you can't say COVID it's, it's over. It's not over. You know, we have just started to see what it's really like and what is really happening long, long long-term to people. There's still so much we don't know. So saying that, like, this is the date that we go back on who the F cares about what's happening in our community. That's just, that's not good leadership to me, you know? Well, I know know, this is getting a little political here, but it's like, as an educator, you know, life is fucking political. Can I say the F word? I'm so sorry. Oh, no, you can curse all you want. There, there's a little e next to these podcasts, which means oh, that's good. so curse away. Um, as long, as long as your kids aren't in the room, I think that, that's I guess that's my only rule. Oh, shit. my kids um, have heard me cuss like crazy, so well, is, there you go. What it is. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure every parent does it. Um, you know what's so interesting? It's like, you know, here you are as a, as a former teacher and, and someone that's still actively involved in education, but you hear all these people in, in, in politics, you know, they're having their debates back and forth, but it's like. You know, and look, I get it. Politics today, you know, depending on your stance with the president, uh, you're either going to go one way or the other. And, and you know, it, it just kind of depends, you know, who you're for. And, you know, if you disagree with the president, you'll go the opposite direction just because of that. Um, and it's like, you know, I we understand there is this political mishap going on, but it's like, what's their priority right now? Is it really this political chaos or is it, you know, the 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 people involved in education, the students and the teachers, like what are they really fighting for? Yeah. Here's the thing. Why are we making humanity, humane issues or humanity issues, hum, issues that, that deal with our humanity? I don't even know how to say it. Right. Why are we making those political yeah, in the first place? That's a like we're never going to be able to get away. If this is politics, then let's just, let's just embrace it because there's no way that we can turn it away from it. And if you're just going to go, listen, you know who I'm voting for, you know me, and I know who you are. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I don't have to sugarcoat it. And I've lost a lot of friends for, for being who I am and changing. Going Addition by subtraction is what I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I, just, you know, here's the thing. We have a freaking mind. Okay. Now our political leaders, they do things that, that we would get in trouble for. You and I would go to jail for we were as creepy as Joe Biden or as law breaking as freaking Trump is. Okay. We could never live the life 
is that they did. And neither one of them are perfect. And in fact, the longer I live, I'm like, are, why do we keep choosing stupid clowns to vote for? Like, are these elections are yeah, we ever going to get better? Another great question. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I mean, we we have to be able to think for ourselves. For a long time, I was a single issue voter because I grew up in the church and I am very pro-life, but at the same time, I'm very pro-choice. You know, I choose to be pro-life. However, I would not want to take away the choice of others. And so you is that political? Why is that political? That's about people. That's about humans. You have to think for yourself. If I only vote for that single issue, I am going to continue to put a freaking clown in office. And I don't want to have anything to do with that because he's not pro-life. All of these politicians that use that as a way to control us, those of us who, who maybe identify as more conservative, like that's what you're doing. You're being controlled. And all of these stupid memes, like lately, I've really had to think about what am I putting on my social media? Are these things really true. Yeah, they're worth a chuckle, but how real are they? And it's propaganda. Like, can my own kids navigate? My kids are amazing. They know um, that people first, like human um, flesh, that is the most important thing about us. Like we, we mean something like we don't sacrifice people. Right. I can't tell you how many times I've been unfriended lately um, by people who profess to love God and Jesus more than anything in their life. They don't even give me a, they just, they just unfriend me, like not just on Facebook, but in real life too. And that's just a part of it. You know um, we have to think for ourselves. And I know I just went on a tangent. I'm sorry. If it, if it makes you feel better. I don't ever notice when people block or unfriend me. I, I look, I couldn't care less. I think you already they tell know me. Yes, you do. And I love the way you handle it. That's what another reason why I want to be well, a see, big fan. I block, I block people on Twitter and it's a, it's a pretty big deal, you know, among Chiefs fans on Twitter and people are like, Oh, he, he blocked me because I disagree. I'm like, no, I blocked you because you're an idiot. And right. Of that interaction with you. Right. But my favorite is like, and look, I've shared the story before. You know, if someone unfriends me or whatever on Instagram, I'm not going to notice. I, I have too much going on in my life to pay attention to that. But when, <laughs> when I block someone, like I just blocked someone on Sunday, they emailed me, you know, asking to be unblocked. It's like people will reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. <laughs> I Snapchat, whatever. I did not block them on. It's like, right? look, do you really think like, I'm going to block you on this too. Cause you're just now at this point, you're annoying. Like, yes. <laughs> Like um, they need to say I'm sorry first. If they want to be your friend, they need to take ownership. That is a great. What plug. they've done, seriously. Well, plug. I mean, I mean it. That's the thing, and that's why I wrote this book. It's just because, like, people, we don't treat people well. Okay, yeah. like I'm like you. I don't know. Like I eventually am like, hmm, I haven't seen this person in a long time, and then I go to and I and I check, and they've unfriended me. That's how I know. But there are there's people who are like they make it a point to tell you like I don't want to be your friend anymore because you don't have any values. And I'm like, excuse me, I have a lot of values. We just have a difference of opinion. Is what it is. Um, and, and, and that is kind of the culture that I was brought up in is that like when people don't agree with you, you take it as a threat and you cut them off. There's yeah. no, there's, it's such a, a culture of intolerance, but we're supposed to be a culture of complete love. I could never understand that until I got away from it. And I think that it just, it blinds us and it doesn't let us think for ourselves when we're, you know, brainwashed like that. It's funny. I removed someone once. She was a mother who we, we, we met through another family friend, but it's like, the things you just wrote were always immature. I'm like, I'm like, oh, look, I don't need to see this on my on my Facebook. And within seconds, she, she's messaging me, which I'm obviously ignoring. But the part that bothered me was that she actually contacted my mom to like tattle on me, basically. So, you know, they, we don't need to get into that. Were you? 
uh, yeah, you know. Oh my I, gosh! I, I offend people when I block them or remove them. I don't. I don't get it. I, I'm not that great of a person to talk to. I mean, come on. Anyway, um, no, you, you know, are. You're awesome. Well, you, you're nice. That's yeah. yeah I appreciate top, that. No, That's I'm nice not nice. I'm a top fan. Let's get that clear. <laughs> Actually, I do want to go back to the whole book thing because you you were showing your book. You know what's really cool? We kind of talked about this before with you know video games in some way. Um, I remember when I was in first grade. Uh, every kid loved Mercer Mayer, and you, you know what I'm talking about—the little critter books. You know yes. what was so fun? Everybody loved these. Uh, they came out with these little critter computer interactive games, where it's the same thing. It's the it's the book on a computer, and you mm-hmm. basically go page by page. But you can also click on you know the background or the characters, and they'll talk, make a comment. You know there there might be like a a frog jumping in the background, something weird like right. that, a car moving, you know, do you remember those? Do you, did you have those when you were a teacher? Okay. Um, we had a lot of, yes, computer programs, not that one, but I was probably in college when you were in first grade. Okay. Cause I know close. like, I mean, or high I, school. <laughs> I don't know if Arthur is still a popular. We uh, like Arthur. We're a PBS family. Cause I know they also had their books uh, as computer games where it was like an interactive okay. book. I, I don't know if you, that you, was pre-teaching. Know? That was pre-teaching. I was probably in um, high school, like my later years of high school. So okay. I didn't really have anything to do with that. Like, I don't know much. I'm going to send that. you a link of that. Cause I think okay. I actually ran into it a couple of days ago. Uh, it is probably kind of cool how they integ- integrated that. I was going to ask if you did yes. that with your students, but I suppose maybe Times have kind of moved on from that, but uh, real quickly before we wrap things up here, um, I don't know. You and I talked about this before. I don't know if you call it a podcast or if you just call it your Facebook live videos. <laughs> you do these uh, Facebook live videos on your Facebook page. First of all, tell everyone uh, how they can find your Facebook page. Thanks. Yes, Farzine. Thank what you. Do you. What do you do? Uh, what are these live videos that you do? Right. So, you know, like I said, I collaborate with some pretty amazing educators. And so I have a platform that I can share with a lot of people. Uh, But so I spotlight an educator every week on Thursdays and every Wednesday, I usually have a book chat because I'm also always with all these authors. And like recently I got to um, interview my favorite romance author. So it's not just educator authors, although most of them are educators and authors. Um, But Uh, I go live. I try to go live on Wednesday and Thursdays because other times I go live with people that I work for and do stuff like that, but I love it. And so um, on my Facebook page, you go to facebook.com slash Mel, no, MJ McCallie writes. So that's MJ M C A L L I W R I T E S. And that's also my Twitter handle. If you want to follow me, MJ McCallie writes. And um, I just, I go live. I stream a lot in the different communities that I help admin and just, to get the word out there, like there are so many authors out there, like it is inundated. We are just, you know, how like being able to, to highlight somebody is, is something that I love because like for you to interview me, like, I don't take this for granted. Like I am so appreciative of it and grateful. I really do appreciate this time and being able to lift up somebody else, use my platform to help get the word out. And I mean, like all these books back here, like these are my friends, my friends wrote those books, you know, um, my friend wrote this book. So I love talking to people that have done amazing things and getting the word out there. And so, yeah, I go live. Um, it's not always education, but uh, most of the time it is because obviously that's my field of expertise. And, um, but I, yeah, I go live on Wednesdays and Thursdays. Tomorrow I'm going to be like a uh, part of a, a, a 24 hour summit that I want to be like watching and listening. And um, so I won't be doing my book chat tomorrow, but on Thursday I get to interview my former boss. 
my friend. Um, she's my friend. <laughs> and um, I'm going to spotlight her on Thursday. Her name is Wendy Williams. And so I'm looking forward to that. And um, last week, I actually did an educator spotlight on, on a Kansas City uh, public schools digital team. Um, they're right, you know, Kansas City, Missouri. So I know it's right over the river for y'all. But um, but yeah, I got to spotlight them. They're an amazing team. And um, it's it's just so incredible to learn and listen from people. And what are they doing that's really working? Um, what can we learn from them? Like last week when I interviewed the Kansas City um, digital team, it's a Kansas City public schools digital team. Um, they like we're intentional about forming a team. Like they came from different backgrounds and they didn't really like each other at first and they knew that. So they like, I remember when I was talking with them, they like made it a point to like each other and then to like their families. And then they did this amazing, they just rolled out this amazing digital format before the pandemic, like a year before the pandemic. So when the pandemic hit, there's, there's, you know, their school district had all these resources. It was like ready to go. And I just thought, being able to interview them and listen to them and then being able to shout it out to other people. Then I wrote a blog and I write my blog. It's called, he gave me a melody. Um, yes, he gave me a melody.com, but I also do a regular blog for alicekeeler.com. And if you're in education, Alice Keeler is a huge name. I work with her and collaborate with her. So I always, I I'm blogging all the time with her. And, um, what I love is that she has a huge audience. So I got to interview these people and then I get to write about them. So then the good that they're doing is, is, you know, shared for thousands of people. And I love that. So I try to use the opportunity and the platform that I have been blessed to have and develop. I really do feel like it's from God. Like I, I, you know, um, I just feel like if you have a voice, use it. If you have a platform, use it, bring people up with you, especially if you want to keep going up in your own life, bring people up with you all the time. That's what we do. You know, be happy when people succeed, learn from people that are doing things that work. And that's what I like to highlight personally and learn from. And um, I just really enjoy it. So, and I know that you've, um, you know, watched a couple of times and I really appreciate that too. I love it when people that aren't necessarily, you know, related to the education system as much as, or maybe vested in it as much as, you know, like parents and teachers, you know, when they actually take the time and listen in, that means the world to me. So. Well, that's awesome. Good on you. That, that's good. You do that. And, you know, I, I said this before you came on, you know, I'm, I'm going out of my comfort zone. These, you know, I have interviewed, you know, athletes and journalists and, uh, you know, people involved in music and movies. So that never is so really done, cool. Never, never done a topic like this, but I do think it's very important. And, you know, there's always something going on in education. Things are always changing. Uh, and even if they're not, there's always something important going on. So I'm sure we'll talk to you again. We'll definitely keep I in hope touch. So. Uh, go check out her book. I'm sorry. The I'm sorry story. And Melody, thank you so much. Uh, like I said, we'll keep in touch. Uh, we'll definitely have you back on later. Hey, thank you so much for I really appreciate it. You're an amazing person. Awesome. Well, thank you, Melody. Take care. You too. All right. Our big thanks to Melody McAllister. Here on Forest Cast, a lot of great stuff there. Uh, look, I learned a lot. Uh, I've got to say, in all the times I've done this podcast, and I know, uh, you know, this is a topic I've never really talked about before, but definitely uh, had a had a good time uh, discussing all of that with Melody. I definitely learned a lot of new things, and it was kind of nice to talk about, you know, the the Scholastic book orders and the book fairs. I'm sure a lot of you guys uh, remember that back in the day. Uh, so that was fun to, to reminisce and. Uh, and bring up again. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, very interesting stuff. I'm sure we'll talk to Melody again down the road. Go check out her book. Go follow her on social media and check out her uh, live videos that she does on Facebook. And uh, check out her book. Check it out. Uh, she sent me 
uh, a digital copy of her book and I got a chance to read it. It's good stuff. So I definitely think if you guys have kids, uh, definitely uh, consider getting that for them. I think it'd be uh, a really good get. The holidays just around the corner. So uh, would not be a bad idea for a holiday gift. All right. Once again, big thanks to Melody McAllister. Big thanks to all of you guys for downloading and listening to the podcast. I am Farzine Vasugian. I will talk to you guys later. Take care. Stay safe.